How many brought your Bible today? Okay. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians 5. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, we'll have these scriptures up on the screen behind me so you can follow along. Make sure we're not making anything up. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for this time we have together now. We believe that you're at work in our lives and in our midst, in this church. Lord, we ask you today for the word, for the hour, and the message for this time. May each person have an understanding of truth that makes them free. Give us eyes to hear and e- eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive today. Thank you, Lord, for directing our steps and ordering our paths. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Romans 1, verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's say that together. The just shall live by faith. Good, good. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Say it with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The uh, NIV says it this way. We live by faith, not by sight. And then the NLT says it this way. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Notice by and not by. These are contrasting ways of life. There is the sight-led, physical, five-sense-led life, and there is the faith life. Which one are you going to live? All right. We've all become accustomed at some point in life with living by sight, making our decisions, basing our beliefs off of everything we see. But then some of us have come up to a higher place. Some of us have come up to experience more of God's amazing grace and power and ability and supply because we've learned how to live by faith. It's a higher way to live. And so we started a series a few weeks ago called Living by Faith. You ready for some more of that today? We, we, were, we were discussing in our services last week Romans ten seventeen, which says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and how it is basically impossible for us to believe God in a specific area if we don't know what he has said in that area. I cannot believe God apart from the revelation of his will. If I don't know what he said, then my faith is too generic. It doesn't have a target. I don't believe something specifically, right? And so the understanding and knowing what God has said concerning our lives uh, in every area of our lives should be a top priority to us. I must know what God has said to me about salvation. I need to know what God has said to me about being saved, about being forgiven, about having eternal life, about my standing in place with Him. 
If I know that, I have something to believe. If I don't know that, I don't have anything to point my faith at. Everybody with me? I, I need to know what the Lord has said about my physical body, about my health and about my healing. What does the Lord will for me? What does He want for my physical body? How many know if I don't know that, if I don't know what He said concerning that, I cannot exercise faith pertaining to that. I cannot trust Him for healing, for example. When it comes to finances, what has the Lord said to you about money? What has the Lord promised you concerning finances? If you know it, you have something to believe. If you don't know it, you don't have anything to believe. Everybody with me? Yes. You see, see how ignorance is a severe problem? <laughs> Dumb just doesn't get us very far. <laughs> All areas of our lives, whatever we do, if you're married, what has God said to you about your marriage? What has he said to you about um, how you're to conduct yourself? If you don't know, you cannot live by faith in that area. If you know, you're good to go. Then you have the potential of experiencing much. What has he said about your mind and your emotions, your, your thinking, some of, some of these areas? What, what has he said to you? To the degree that you know God's plan, his will, his word concerning you, you can live by faith in that area. Otherwise, you're just a sight guy chick yeah. you're just a sight led person and that's a low level of living and we can never access the vast resources of heaven by living that way amen what happens to a person's faith if they stay out of church they stay out of the word they stay out of uh, you know other avenues of hearing God's voice what will happen to their faith well their faith in what they see will be magnified. They will start letting the material, physical world govern their life and their decisions and their, everything they do. The less of God's Word is in them, the more we gravitate towards physical realities and therefore limitations. But the more I will saturate myself. Don't think for a moment. I know I'm cutting sentences in half here, but don't think for a moment that if you ignore God's Word via, again, multiple avenues, via church services, reading the Bible, different things like that, if you ignore that, then it doesn't affect you spiritually. Don't think for a moment, because, we, because things happen gradually, we think, oh, I'm still good. Right? We think everything's okay. But before you know it, you'll realize you go to pick up that thing that used to be easy for you and you go, huh, I haven't been to the gym for a while, have I? <laughs> I thought I was just as strong as I used to be. <laughs> but you realize, no, it's, you're not, it's not the same anymore. Amen. We've got to keep a constant, continuous flow of God's Word into us if we're going to maintain a life of faith. Cutting that off is a, is a bad move. Don't starve your faith. Starve your doubt. Come on. Keep your faith fed with the Word of God. One of the things that has come up in the life of faith quest, some things that I had experienced and had been around years ago, and it's, a, it's, a really, a, it's really a problem, but it, and it's very simple at the same time. But many people have been taught 
that when it comes to praying, asking the Lord for something, that you should use a phrase at the end of all your prayers just to kind of, it's just to be humble, to be submissive, that you should always say at the end of what you ask, Lord, if it be your will. I don't know if anyone's ever heard that or, or maybe you've, you've, you've practiced that in your own life. But it basically goes like this. I, I ask the Lord for whatever, whatever, something that's legitimate, something that's good, something that He's promised. But at the end, instead of just saying amen, we say, if it be your will, do this. Does anybody know that that is a contrasting way to, uh, to pray than a, a faith prayer? You cannot say that and be in faith at the same time. Uh, it, it, let's say, for example, that I was going to uh, pray for uh, Richard. And um, let's say we were, we were going to pray for, for a healing for Richard. Okay, here's kind of the way people would do that. And I'm going to amplify it at the end so you get the amplified version of this prayer. But they would say something like, Lord, heal Richard. Uh, you know, they might say some good things like Jesus took stripes on his back so Richard could be healed. And so we ask you to heal Richard in Jesus' name if it be thy will. And they usually stop there and say, Amen. But I'm going to, here, here's, here's really the rest of that prayer. It's the unspoken part of that prayer that's really there in that phrase, okay? It's like this, Lord, heal Richard if you want to. If you don't, don't. Lord, you're really going to do whatever you want to do, so why am I praying? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That is the reality of that prayer, if we were to be honest. And that phrase, if, or let me say it this way, that word, if, has no part in the faith life. Everybody with me? I know this will ruffle some feathers, but if is not a faith statement. If is a question. If is not assured of anything, not confident of what God has said. It's a maybe. And how many understand that Jesus didn't teach us maybes? You don't see a lot of ifs, ands, and buts in his ministry. You don't see a lot of qualifiers or exceptions like many people want to explain today. Well, God will do this except in this situation. Except, and there's these five things that you've got to consider. And you know what I'm talking about. The Lord just didn't do that. People would come to Him and with, with serious problems. Lord, so-and-so, they're dying. You've got to come. Okay, I'll come and heal them. Not, okay, I'll come and give, give it my best. Not, I'll come and we might be able to get this one. I'm, you know, if, if it's the Lord's will, if it's the Father's will, then this will happen. He didn't talk like that, but why do people talk that way today? Why are people taught that way? It's wrong. It's one of the, one interesting way to look at what's true and what's not true 
is just simply look at what's being taught today and what's not in the Bible. And there's a lot of stuff that's being taught. We don't have examples of it. But people feel like just to kind of cover our back in case something doesn't work, we got to throw an if in there. We got to throw a maybe. We got to explain the exception why this is why it might not work. But Jesus, he didn't do it, nor when he taught us about prayer. How many know he didn't say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, there's a good chance you're going to get it. (laughs) I mean, odds are, I mean, he kind of likes you, so you might even get what you pray. Did he talk that way? No, he just flat out said it. If you'll do this, God will do this. If you'll lay hands on the sick, they might get better. No, he just said they will. It's an absolute way of life. It's living on the foundation of something certain, something established, not maybes. It might be. It it works sometime, but sometimes it doesn't. You might not be good enough. You might be good. You just never know. How many know that's an impossible way to live by faith? Faith is a, is, a, is, a, is a stance of confidence, of certainty, of assurity. Remember this, we don't walk on faith, right? We walk by faith. Faith does not hold you up, but the Word of God does. It is the revelation of what God has said to me. When I know what God has promised me, when I know what He has provided for me, I have that deeply rooted and established in my life. I can stand on that. I can live by that. I put my faith in what he has said, not what might be, what could be, what's a good possibility. What scriptures are you standing on? Concerning anything that you face in life, decisions you're making, prayers you're praying, what scriptures are you using? That's one of the best questions to check up on where we're at. Let me give you a couple verses here that you don't need to turn to. Psalm 119, verse 89 said, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. What's settled? God's word is settled. That tells me I can stand on that. I can't stand on faith. I can stand on what God said. Right? Right? His word is settled. That means it's not changing, no amendments, no alterations. It's just settled. If he said it, it'll last forever. So if I can find out what God has said about me concerning any area of my life, I've got a solid foundation to live from. Psalm 119 verse 130 said, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so again, what is the focus And foundation of our faith life, I must know what God has said to me. I must know what God wants to happen. Say, well, how can we know God's will? You can never really know God's will, can you? If we can't, it's impossible to live by faith. And therefore, his statement to us that the just shall live by faith is completely out of bounds totally unfair (laughs) but how many know you can trust what God said I can know his his will I can know what he wants to happen he told me he's given me scripture verses what verse are you standing on 
concerning various areas of your life. What, I mean, what chapter? Uh, of what book? What verse? So say, I don't really know. That's an issue. You can't get from God what you don't know if He wants you to have. Let's go to Second Peter uh, this morning. Second Peter 1. And let's begin here in verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord uh, and of Jesus our Lord. You know that God wants to increase grace and peace in your life. He wants there to be a multiplication of these things in you. How did it come? It says, in the knowledge of God. What if I don't know about God? No grace and peace. It's connected to what I know. If I know something that's true, I get it. If I don't know, if it's a... Have you ever been called on when you were in school and you didn't know the answer? (laughs) You'll be called on in life a lot. And if you don't know the answer, you know what? Depending on what it is, some things, it'll really hurt. It'll really affect you. We've got to know some answers. Answers make the difference. Okay? And so it's multiplied through the knowledge of God and our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Let's see, that's verse 1. Of God and of Jesus our Lord, verse 2. Verse 3, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice the language there. Is God going to give us all things? (laughs) Is God? No, no, He's not going to. I wish God would give me something that I need for my life. Not going to do it. He is absolutely not going to give it to you. The good news is He's already given it to you. Notice the tense of that that verse. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. One of the problems that we have sometimes is we're trying to get God to do what He's already done. We're asking Him, Lord, do this for me. And He's like, dude, look, I've already done this for you. It's like the person, uh, the people playing chess. You know, chess can be a very slow game. And uh, you stare at the board. And you think, if I go here, he'll go here. And if he goes there, then I'll go here. And if he doesn't go, you know, and you're trying to figure out three moves ahead. (laughs) Okay, if I don't do that, then you go to your next. If I do this, then he'll do this. And it takes a few minutes to figure out what your move is going to be. And so there's a lot of staring at the board. And so you make your move, and then you're waiting for the other guy. Now he's staring at the board, and his mind's going. If if I go here, he'll go here, and all this stuff's going on. After a while, you could be kind of like, ho-hum. And so let's just say you're playing and, and you're waiting. He's taking a couple minutes. He's still staring at the board. And so you, you kind of, car drives by, you look out the window. And uh, while you look out the window, he makes his move, but you don't know he made his move. And then you look back to the game and you're still sitting there. You're staring at the board. He's staring at the board. After a, a number of minutes go by, you're like, are you going to go? And then he looks back and says, I went five minutes ago. It's, it's your move. It's time for you to go. I mean, no, sometimes that's the way it is with the Lord. Lord, are you going to do something? Uh, I did something like a while ago. Your move. It's time for you to go. And when it comes to the past tense nature of what God has provided, this is a vital subject for us to know, okay? His divine power is given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Look at the rest of that verse, though. How's it come? 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. In other words, I don't get to partake of his divine nature. I don't get to partake, uh, let's see, of all things that pertain to life and godliness unless I know something. You mean ignorance isn't bliss? (laughs) No, it can kill you. (laughs) Oh yeah, it can wipe you out. Not knowing what God has given us, what pertains to our life, hurts us. Let's keep going. Verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Through what? Well, the other through is what I was meaning. (laughs) Through the... (laughs) You're right, you're right. (laughs) Lust. (laughs) Come you said that so loud. (laughs) Through these exceedingly great and precious promises. Again, it's our knowledge of what God promised us that enables us to partake of His divine nature. How many know this world is messed up? There is a lot of corruption in this world through... Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of junk in this world. How do I overcome it? How do I escape from it? Only through the precious promises of God. What if I don't know what He promised me? I'm going to live with corruption. I'm going to be overcome by the junk that's in this world. What if I know what He's promised me? I get to escape it. You want to escape any junk? I've seen a lot in this world I want to escape. And God's given me a promise. It pertains to every aspect of my life. There is nothing I deal with that He hasn't covered in His promises. Amen. And so, and so knowing about the promises of God are necessary for us to, of course, believe in them and then receive them. What do you know? Again, what verse are you standing on? What verses do you have in your heart that you say, you can say, Lord, you said in your word, and you say it to him. Not, Lord, I think there's a scripture somewhere where you said something like, that's not good enough. There's, two, there's ifs in there. There's questions in there. A faith life is built on something solid. I know exactly what I've been promised. How many know that Christians primarily do not need preaching, but we primarily need teaching? Not talking about the world, not talking about preaching the gospel, because we preach the gospel, we don't teach the gospel, as far as to an unsaved person, all right? But once a person gets saved, what do we need? We need taught, the word. We need an explanation. I don't need it. I don't need to come to church every week and just uh, get stirred up in, in the sense of uh, let's just preach something and we'll all shout and get all hot and sweaty and, 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 and excited. And, you know, there's value in preaching and stirring something up. But what we need more is explanation. I need to understand. You know, Jesus taught didn't he? It, the sower sows the word of God. Remember the parable? He, he said the very first thing that keeps Satan from taking God's word out of a person's heart is that they understand it. 
when we understand something, that's the first way that our heart grabs a hold of it and keeps it, keeps it working in our lives. Understanding. Amen. I don't just need a talk. We need taught the Word of God. You can have a talk some other time. <laughs> I didn't prepare a talk this morning. I prepared to explain the Word of God so it would be rooted and grounded in our hearts and we could live out of His precious promises, experiencing His life and godliness and everything that pertains to it. Yeah, yeah. When you get it, when you understand it, you say, I see that. I get that. I understand that. You're ready to walk in it. You're ready to live by faith in proportion to that understanding. See, when we talk about... Uh, the value of knowing something, of knowing. What do we need to know? Do you know there's greater value in knowing some parts of the Bible than others? I don't know if that sounds different to you. We value the whole Bible. We value all of it. But you know there's some things that are more important to know than other things. There's no doubt a lot of Old Testament dudes... When we get to heaven, they're going to come up to us and we're going to meet them. They're going to go, you don't know me? I'm in the Bible. Dude, I can't even say your name. <laughs> Some of them are going to have books. <laughs> we're going to go, we couldn't decide if it was Habakkuk or, <laughs> Habakkuk or Habakkuk or Maliki or Malachi or Job or Job or... <laughs> Psalms or palms? Or <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot in there. We don't minimize the value of any of it. But you know there are some truths that are more important than others. There really are. We could study Bible history and culture of the times. That could help some, but that's not most important. We could study language, the original Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and things that they used during the time. Is there value in that? I think there's value in that. Only to the degree that it helps us to understand a principle or a truth from God. If it helps me to know Him, there's value. But there's people that have studied this kind of stuff and they have become experts and have a gazillion letters behind their name and, and they are and experts in so many of those areas but live in defeat. They don't have victory. They don't have a, a living relationship with God. And again, I don't take anything away from that. If it helps, good. But I need to know what Jesus has done for me. More important than anything. I need to know what God has promised me. It's my knowledge of these great and precious promises that will help me to partake of God's nature, His divine power that will put me over in life. What do you know? Amen. And so some of that other stuff sometimes perks our interest. You know, it's a, it's a mind thing and it's interesting to hear. But ultimately, if we don't get down to a, a Bible truth, a revelation of who God is and what He's done, it's not going to change us. It's not going to help us escape the junk that's in this world. Everybody listening? You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, Hosea 4, verse 6 where God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's an amazing statement. You mean I die because I don't know something? That's right. 
I mean, you think there are all kinds, we might put all kinds of things in there if we were to write it. My people are destroyed because they lack commitment. Or they lack, you know, we, put, we could fill in the blank. But that's not what the Lord said. He said, what you don't know will kill you. Ignorance really isn't bliss. It, it, it'll, it'll hit you in, in a lot of areas of your life. And so be a Bible person. Be a, be a Bible toter. Have your own. If you don't have your own yet, get you a nice one that you can read regularly, that you can highlight stuff in if you want, write notes in the margin. Make God's Word, what He has said, a very valuable thing in your life. So someone told me a while back that they said, I, I, I went to this church, and they said, I felt so out of place. I felt so awkward. I said, well, why? I mean, he told me what church. It was a good church and everything, I think. He said, he said I felt so out of place. He said, because I had a Bible. I thought, ah, that's not a good testimony. I mean, you go, if one place you'd think you'd find a few Bibles to be in church. <laughs> but for your life, again, it's not so important that you just have one. <laughs> it's important that you get what's on the inside. It's the only way we can live by faith. We've got to know what God has said. And we've got to keep it fresh. We've got to keep it fresh and current in our lives. Let's go over to James 4. Finish up over there today. But the more you know about what God has said, about all that you do, the more you can do that thing by faith. You can only partake of God's life if you know about His precious promises. So are you believing God for something? For, are you believing for work, for finances, for kids, for... Well, what are you believing for? If so, what scripture are you using? So I'm believing for a, for a, a, a spouse. What scripture? Well, I'm just praying. Stop. Don't quick, don't quick pray. Find out. Do it, in, do it with confidence, assurance. I'm praying, I'm praying for, uh, for, for finances. Okay, what verse? Amen. Well, you tell, I have to do my homework then. Yeah, but it'll work too. You'll have results. Come on now. Let's not just play games, play religious games and yeah, just everybody pray for me. No, I don't want to pray for you. What verse? Everybody look at your neighbor here today. Say, what verse? <laughs> yeah. What verse? Is that important? Why, why is it? Why is it that uh, so many people try to get as many people as possible to pray for them? Why is it that when someone has a hardship or a tragedy... They try to get everyone in the world to pray for them. What, what's going on there? It's like, if, well, I could pray or I could get someone to agree with me, but if I could get 100 people to pray, that would be good. Or if I could get 1,000 people, oh, God would have to answer that prayer. Really? What verse was that? What verse did you base that on? And when people have a hardship, they want to... I need everybody to pray. I mean, this is a big one. Well, that's already a sign of unbelief, by the way. A big one? 
see it small. Nothing is big in the in mind of God as far as difficult. I got to get everybody to pray. And they call everyone. And they Facebook everyone. And they get on everybody's prayer list. And uh, we got to get everybody. We've got everybody praying for this. Okay, so you're saying you're going to bug God so much that he's going to have to do it? <laughs> we can get enough noise. <laughs> we can get enough noise going on. The Lord's going to have to respond. What verse is that? Listen, this stems from unbelief. It really does. What, what do we need to believe? That we need to believe what God said. Nothing else. I need to believe what God said. You know the Lord will hear your prayer. Oh, yeah. He'll hear your prayer. Not just a thousand people making noise. You don't know what those people are even believing. I appreciate people praying for me. I really do. But you know what? Some people, they're going to pray and it's going to be goofy. It'll just be emotional. It'll just be based on nothing. They don't have any verses. They don't have any Bible verses in their prayer. I'm saying, I appreciate you. Thank you for thinking about me. But just think about me. Because the prayer didn't do anything. Amen. Now, I know I'm ruffling feathers when I talk about this kind of stuff, but that's okay. We need to analyze this. I think a lot of it just is good old-fashioned garden variety unbelief. We think, God, if I pray, God won't do anything. So I'll get a gazillion people to pray, and he'll have to. Like, like we're trying to convince God to do, we really want him to do good stuff, but he doesn't want to do good stuff. And if I could just convince him to do for me what I know is right, no, let's just back up. What verse? And if I have a verse on it, that's God's plan. That's what he wants to do. And again, there's value in the prayer of agreement and getting people to pray. And, and there's corporate prayer that, that's valuable, but a lot of this just comes from the wrong place. Say amen if you can. Amen. Everything you need is covered in these precious promises. Amen. James 4, verse 13, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you, uh, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Now, when he's speaking of these things here, does that fly in the face of the earlier statement of when I said adding that phrase or tacking that if it be your will phrase on the end of a prayer uh, is a, not a good thing? Does this contradict that? It really doesn't. See, some people, someone said, what about Jesus? Did I talk about that in this service yet? What about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he pray that way? When Jesus was about to go to the cross, he was in the garden there. He was praying for a long time. Remember, he sweat drops like drops of blood, and it was a serious deal. He prayed a prayer which went something like this, Father, let this cup pass from me. In other words, the cross, if there, he's saying, if there's another way to redeem these guys, let's do that. 
I'm not really looking forward to the whole cross thing right now, the scourging, the beating, the bearing, the sin of the world, the sickness and disease and all, all this stuff and going to hell. And Not really ready for that. Okay, that's my paraphrase there. He said, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Not my will, your will. Do you see how that's different from tacking that onto all prayers? Jesus isn't praying for something. He's not asking the Father to do something. He's just saying, let's go with another route if that's available, but if there's not, I'm committed to this. He's committing himself. It's a prayer of consecration, commitment to the will of God. In this case over here in James, he's, he's talking to a bunch of arrogant, proud, backslidden people. They're making plans. They don't care about the will of God. They're not seeking out a promise. They're not finding out what God has said and standing on that. They're saying, I'm just going to go here. I'm going to make a profit. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this. He said, you don't have a clue what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen next year. You ought to just say, you know, if the Lord, if the Lord wants me to, I'm going to do that. Amen. Only to the degree that we know God's will and God's word can we walk by faith. If I don't know it, I back up. But if I've got a promise, if I've got his word on something, giddy up, let's be confident. Let's make some absolute statements. Let's say, I am going to do this. I am, just like Jesus, I'll come and heal him. Let's make some statements with confidence and expectation of God's um, mighty provision, life and godliness to be infused into our lives. Not maybe, not if, not it might be, not it could be. This is just the way it is. This is the way it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. This is how we're going to live by faith. I was looking up this word that we use frequently in Christian circles. We put it at the end of prayers. We sometimes say it in church when something good is said. Anybody know what that word is? I looked up that word, amen. And so I thought, I'm going to look that up in the Hebrew. And I looked, you know what the word was? It's the Hebrew word, amen. <laughs> I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm going to look it up in the Greek because the New Testament we have translated from Greek. You know what it was? Amen. amen. So I looked it up in the English. No, I already knew that one. <laughs> but I w- it was confirmed to me in the earlier service today that in Spanish, you know what it is? Amen. Amen. <laughs> You know what it means, basically? We, a lot of us know it. So be it. So be it. That's a good thing to say. Whenever you, re- you read God's promise, say, so be it. Amen. You read something, you hear what God has said to you, and it's good. He's not, he doesn't have a bad future, a, a gloomy plan for your life. Agree with Him. That's the faith life. I agree with God, not with what I see and feel. And so we should make it a regular practice of saying, amen. 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 So be it. You hear something good? Agree with it. So be it. I set myself in agreement with that for my life. I see the potential of what God has planned, what he wants to do. I agree. Amen. We have been accustomed to spewing out all kinds of negativity out of our mouths. Stop. But agree with something good. Amen. Someone says something good to you, what are you going to say? Amen. If you go to a restaurant for lunch today and they say, here's the special, and it's something you like, just say amen. 
<laughs> They'll think I'm crazy. Well, then explain it to them. Say, here's what it means in the Hebrew. Here's what it means in Greek. Here's what it means in the original Spanish <laughs> and probably more. So be it. I'll take that. I agree with that. Let that be so and let that be true in my life today. Can you say amen? amen. So be it in us now. The word of God. The promises of God. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you today. We love you. We appreciate you. So thankful for your word and what you've said to us, what you've revealed to us. Lord, we'll never be the same again because of what you've done. Thank you for doing a work in us today, for helping us, causing us to increase more and more in your favor, in your grace, and in your peace. As you reveal yourself to us, Lord, we, our eyes are open and we see. And we make a decision to act on those things that we know. We give you all the thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me encourage you today. Do you know, do you know of something that's true? Do you know something for a fact it is absolutely true and it's right here's what you need to do act on it now not act on it tomorrow <laughs> what I mean by that is don't put it off act on it now so I just want to live by faith that's what that means when you know something is right act like it's true now i got to work on my faith. No, no, no. Not if you already know what God has said. You already know what the right thing is. Don't work on anything. Your faith is fine. Not a faith problem. It's called, let's act on it. When you do, you'll see the power of God revealed to you. You'll see things change. You'll see things change quickly. Amen. And that's what the Lord wanted me to say when I was praying there. So there's some changes coming, isn't there? There's some bad situations that are going to turn around real quick. I'm just going to act like God's Word is true. Thank you, Lord.